hello, ladies and gentlemen, to episode five of KingCast, King Gamer's official podcast. I'm your host this week, David Lozada, and I'm joined with Sean Raybine. Hi, Sean. Hey, how you guys doing? And Tim Ronan. Hi, Tim. Hello. This week we have really action-packed episode. We've got a lot to cover from Pokemon to Tekken to Borderlands and then some more unfortunate topics. But before we jump and dive into that stuff, Sean, how has your week been? Uh, what have you been playing? What have you been watching? Uh, let's see. So let me try to remember. Um, I have played a few games uh, primarily for streaming. Uh, I played Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. I don't know if anyone remembers that. It was sort of an indie game that came out several years ago. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, d- did not expect it to go so fantasy heavy. I was like, you know, this is just going to be a closely focused on an emotional tale between two brothers. And then it's like, oh, by the way, here's a troll. Oh, by the way, here's a griffin. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Uh, very short game, which does not make it a bad game. But I do wish it was kind of longer to help build up more emotional attachment to the characters but i thought it was a really cool idea uh for those who don't know you control the two brothers at the same time and each are controlled to different halves of your controller so the one brother is left stick and left trigger the other one's right stick right trigger so that was a lot of fun um i also played uh i played my first danganronpa game and it was trigger happy havoc uh, which I had no idea what to expect going in. I just looked at a couple screenshots before I bought it. Uh, again, I bought it first stream. And I'm like, okay, it gives me sort of this Persona vibe uh, in terms of aesthetic, so I'm not really sure what to expect. So I went in. It sort of uh, started off as almost like a visual novel, but with like much more of a budget type feel. I'm like, okay, I'm into this so far. You got a big cast of characters. Um... One thing you should know, when I stream a game like that, I tend to do different voices for each of the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a game like Danganronpa, that was impossible to maintain because there are 15, 16 characters, yeah. and I could not yeah. keep track of whose voice was doing for who. And after like two hours, my throat was killing me. I said, okay, I need to scale it back way more. Just do normal <laughs> voices, but different inflections for each person, maybe. I'll, I'll go that far, and... I'm glad I did that because last night I did about four hours of that, and it's amazing to me that some streamers do more than four hours a night because my throat was killing me after that. Right. Uh, it, it's yeah. fine now, but you know, uh, it was fine. But yeah, it starts off as sort of a visual novel type thing. Then you sort of get into, oh, I'm going to build some relationship and give presents. Oh, nice. And then murder. Murder most foul. Mm-hmm. And you have to solve the murder. And I'm like, okay, I'll just I'll piece together some evidence, and I'll work it out in my head. And it was a lot of fun to sort of work it out along with the stream of like, what, who did this? Why does this piece of evidence matter? And some of it, I didn't, some of the evidence, I'm like, I don't know what this is until like the trial. Uh, because right. there is a trial, and how you did the trial was not at all what I was expecting. Myself and the rest of the chat were pretty amused with the terminology of things like truth bullets. And, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. And just 
you know, I'm, I'm going through, and it's like, you know, by the way, here's some more mechanics of this trial. It's like, what, there's more? I don't, I, I can't keep track of all this. I'm already flustered enough as it is. And it's like, oh, by the way, it's a rhythm game, too. I'm like, oh, that's, that's yeah. insane. I didn't hate it. I loved it because of it, but not at all I was expecting. I've only done the first chapter, um, but it's it's pretty dang neat so far. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really- very, like... Uh- I, I, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like Japanese e game, where it oh, has yeah. like a, a lot of well, it has those characters that are very like they they fit certain tropes. Like oh, there's yeah. the sexy character, there's the nerdy character, mm-hmm. and there's the generic protagonist character. You know, yeah. Um, and it it does have those types of phenomena where like truth bullets, like you just said, <laughs> that are very you know uh, funny and, and kind of ridiculous, especially when they're translated into English. But mm-hmm. I think that's part of Dangaropa's charm, is that it it yeah. doesn't really take itself too seriously. I mean, it is about children murdering each other, <laughs> <laughs> really, essentially. But like, it, it you know it 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 is charming still, and uh, I I don't know I I find it kind of fun even for people who aren't really into anime or Japanese games. Like I think they can get a kick out of it. You know, it, it's it's something that everyone could enjoy. Um, especially those people who like child murder. So, yeah, you know, there you go. A yeah. Big market for that. Uh, yeah, definitely yeah. the game has <laughs> a lot of the trope characters, you know, that fits right. this personality type. And basically all anime games do this. Uh, my experience mm-hmm. with them is not grand, but it's somewhat limited, but it's something I've seen a lot. Um, this game, you know, you yeah. have. 15 students you're gonna to have to have some trophy characters by the way can i just say the person they chose for the otaku nerdy character they went all out on him they they mm-hmm. really didn't pull any punches poking fun at you know the uh they call him the the ultimate fanfic writer but he's right. supposed to be the ultimate hentai artist it's like a translation error or something like that boy he looks like a monster um yeah yeah, but yeah, yeah. There, there, there's definitely. I have his image in my head. Yeah, <laughs> that guy, there, the guy with the glasses, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he's, he's shaped like an egg. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's definitely trope characters. There are characters there that remind me of like Persona Five characters, like pretty much immediately. I'm like, okay, that's the Ann character. There's Ryuji. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there there's definitely overlap, but it, it doesn't take away from his enjoyment. Uh, right. As with like most anime games, you go in going, I like that one, I like that one, I like that one. And you're like, those mm-hmm. are my top three picks right. uh, going forward for building relationships. Uh, right. it, it's, it's fun it, so it, far. It's easy, it's easy to kind of latch on to certain characters that you like. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the appeal of it. Yeah. yeah. Tim, what did you play and or watch last week? Um, Not too much. Uh a little bit of the old Minecraft. Um, nice. Still been playing Destiny 2, grinding out some stuff from that. Actually, in terms of... Um, I don't know how much this counts, but I've kind of... Um, so I, I think I mentioned I saw Endgame a few weeks ago. Right. And um, there's still, like, people... I, I mean, maybe it was coming off of, like, Comic-Con, but, like, there's... Like a continuous stream of like videos about Endgame, it feels like between like. Well, actually, you know, I think uh, the 
Blu-ray just the Blu-ray came got out. out. Yeah, yeah. So now all like the special features and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people are like uploading that kind of stuff. Um, but I've also been like, there's like these audience reactions online. Oh, okay. Where like, yeah, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting, and the, like, it kind of like, kind of makes me wish I was there for those right right because like the moments where people get like so freaking excited like you know between such and such a moment Mm -hmm. it's like i i kind of wish i was there for that that sounds like it was so much energy Mm -hmm. there and it's it's just fun to see people freak out at stuff i know that's about to happen (laughs) right um i i admit that i've seen a couple of those videos too on YouTube, where it's all black, right? It's like a black screen, but it tells you some of them. So, okay, yeah. Some of them do actually. They have footage, but they like for copyright stuff. They like have all this other stuff going on. So gotcha. it's like, haha, you can't, you can't, you can't get me. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know. Like right after I had seen Endgame, I went to go see the the audience re- reactions because I, I, you know, I, I did have that kind of. Um, I didn't really have a lot of people in my audience that were, like, as enthusiastic as I was. You know, I was, like, getting up, and I was like, what? Like, at certain <laughs> moments, I won't reveal them. But I did go through uh, some videos, and, like, you know, when... Toward, like, especially towards, let's say, the last, you know, 20 minutes of the movie, there were a lot of moments like that where people were like, What? We're like, no way, you know, and it's just really funny yeah. to kind of hear and and just imagine yourself in that in that audience. It's it's fun. It, it is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. those reaction videos are a lot of fun. There's something of a guilty pleasure of mine because I know a lot of them can sometimes be like, okay, you're clearly just your 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 reaction, your initial reaction is probably out of five, but you ranked it up to fifty for the clicks, and I get it. You got to get mm-hmm. you know the people to come in, um, but. They're a go-to pleasure for for me for the most part. Um, for me, it, it's primarily the reacting to listening to heavy metal songs for the first time. <laughs> I really enjoy those. Um, but yeah, the movie and TV show reaction ones are a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. And like Tim said, you know, usually they sometimes they'll have like a clip of it. Um, something I found that a lot of them will do is they'll uh, say, "We can use up to ten minutes of audio and visual." And sometimes we'll even have a counter on their screen saying, this is how much time I've said. This is how much time I've shown. So Marvel don't come after me because I'm under the 10-minute mark. Um, yeah. For, like, fair use. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, you're not going to fight against Disney for fair use. So right with that, everyone. I, I agree with you, Sean, in the sense of, like, there is a certain, like, human quality of, of kind of wanting to see other human beings kind of react to things so like one of the <laughs> and in the in the anime space like ahigao faces which i'm sure you both are familiar with um yeah oh, of course yeah, yeah. given how we just talked about bell delphine yeah. you know not too long ago um there was one that was circulated really a lot online not too long ago and it was like elders react to ahigao faces and that was hilarious. Oh, that was no. that. Like I, I liked to see that the the age divide. Like see mm-hmm. like elder people or older people react to 
things that you know we are very used to. I guess weirdly enough, that's something that we're very used to now. Um, <laughs> and it's just it, it, you know seeing that generational divide. It's it's fascinating. It really is. Yeah. Uh, all right, so guys, let's jump into news of the week. Our first news story this week is all about Evo, which happened last weekend. What happened at Evo last week? A lot of stuff happened. You know, uh, Sonic Fox, he lost the Dragon Ball Fighter Z tournament, but he won the, I believe it was, what did he win? He lost Dragon Ball Fighter Z, but he won Mortal Kombat, uh, I want to say. I have no idea, to be honest. Uh, I know he lost one, but he, he won another one, right? Not sure. I know Sonic Fox was... What I know about Sonic Fox is that he was recently named the esports person of the year by like the Game Awards. But beyond that, mm. I, like, I don't know what his specialty in the fighting game arena is. If he won... Right. If he lost like in one game and won in another, that's actually somewhat impressive because what I do know is that most of these uh, fighting game uh, esports guys is they, they specialize in one game in particular and they put all their energy into that. So... For him to mm-hmm. go to Evo for two different games at a professional level is impressive in of itself. Yeah, yeah. I just looked it up. He he won. He lost uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z and he won uh, Mortal Kombat 11, which is, is super impressive. I, mm-hmm. You know, you hit the nail on the head, Sean. It, it's just something that it's kind of uncalled for in in, in fighting so, games. That's because uh, usually you just kind of specialize. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say like uh, that's kind of some surprising too mm-hmm. because like. Dragonfall, uh, Dragon Ball is a very fast-paced game, whereas mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat, I would say, is way slower and more like heavy yep. hitting. Um, so, like each move really counts. Dragon Ball, that might matter if, like, you know, if you could get in with like a big combo string or something like that. But that's actually mm-hmm. pretty interesting that he's he's focused in both a very fast-paced game and a very slower-paced game. So that's yeah, it really it's really a testament to his skill. Mm-hmm. But. This new, this new story is not a, a story about Sonic Fox. That was just, uh, uh, you know, one of the, some of the highlights from Evo. Another unfortunate highlight of Evo was that the organizers behind the event during the Tekken Seven Finals they put a uh, in the middle of, between uh, two uh, fighter brackets they put up a tease supposedly of Minoru Solid Snake, basically talking to uh, the franchise's producer via codec call, which if you're unfamiliar with the Solid franchise, they basically talk to each other in these uh, these codecs, uh, saying that uh, that was some good-ass Tekken, what had just happened, mm-hmm. uh, and using David Hayter's voice, who's the, the voice actor of Snake. People, very rightly so, thought this was a tease for Snake in Tekken 7 and it wasn't uncalled for considering how Tekken 7 has Noctis and they have The Walking Dead's Negan oddly enough mm-hmm. and they've had you know other guest characters in the past so this isn't you know out of the blue it really is not even for fighting games in general so uh, a couple hours after Evo had seen that a lot of news outlets were Picking up on this, saying, "Hey, this is probably a tease for Snake in uh, in uh, Tekken Seven, and Evo said, "Just to clear things up, the Snake cameo video that we showed during the Tekken Finals was our idea of a little joke." So they basically admitted that <laughs> they really kind of 
uh, pull the fast one over us. They made us hype for nothing, and I, I, just very bizarre decision on their part. They didn't even consult with Bandai Namco, so I don't I don't know what's going to go on there. The, you know, Bandai Namco could very much just sue them for you know um, misusing their their assets. Uh, so I want to you know talk to you guys about it. Uh, I know David Hayter, the the voice actor, isn't really that uh, enthused about it. He actually said that he actually told Evo not to not to use his voice ever again. So what what do you guys think? Should Evo uh, refrain from doing this ever again? Tim, what do you think? Well, first I I, I saw uh, David Hayter's tweet and he was freaking mad. mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could tell. Um, and you know, I, I can understand that. Uh, but so the clip that they had, was that actually his voice or was that someone like, it was his voice imitating his voice? How do they, how do they have that though? Uh, so apparently, uh, like I had thought what happened was that like, um, someone from Evo went up to him at like some like meet and greet booth and said, Hey, could you record something for me? Cause like sometimes celebrities will do that. Like, Hey, could you record something from my, uh, answer machine? Uh, but apparently what happened was he does something called Cameo, which is some service where you can get uh, famous voice actors to read certain lines for you for a fee. Um, and Evo used that. Uh, but the thing is that they didn't pay for that. They didn't say, David Hayter, would you like to read this line for us? We'll pay for it kind of thing without telling them what's going on. What they actually did was they took the line that he re- read for someone else on, like, Twitch. Like, someone uses that for, like, um, some stream alert or something like that. Uh, I forget the streamer's name. I'm, I'm not good with streamer names. Uh, mm-hmm. But he, he said that was a sort of a voice clip that he uses for, like, one of his stream alerts, like when someone donates. Uh-huh. And so Evo took that, erased any other audio behind it, and used that. And so they went, like an extra step beyond circumventing even David Hayter, even getting a whiff of Evo being interested in his voice until this very moment. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know about okay. that aspect of the story. That's Yeah, yeah. me neither. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, that, that's, that's a few extra steps going out of the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, overall, not, not such a great thing. And I mean, in terms of it being like, a joke i mean in this climate where like we have smash bros and (laughs) you have you have like the tiniest whiff of like a character in something it's like oh okay now they're that character's going to be in the thing it's like and then (laughs) there's like a the whole codec thing at the very end of this it's like oh no no he was he's not coming just a joke guys yeah i mean he he does appear in other fighting games like Smash Brothers, for example, but he's not coming here. Yeah. It was just it was just a joke. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> it, it's very bizarre, you know, like when you think about it. Like, why would they, the organizers, do that, knowing that people would assume that he's going to the game? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just completely misusing one of the games that you know you're you're building your tournament on, and why would you purposely? upset you know the people that have made the game that are allowing you to use the game in your event you know it, it just i don't know there there's something went wrong there something it was a misguided kind of decision 
yeah, I, in my, in my just opinion. Just not thinking it through. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, Sean, what do you think of this ordeal? Um, well, first, I, I want to say I think this is probably done with the best intentions. I think mm-hmm. whoever came up with this is like, oh, this would be a cute little joke. We can do this. People get a laugh out of it. <laughs> but I'm terribly misguided. This is the reason why the April's Fool, April Fool Day joke uh, surrounding gaming, uh, those jokes have really sort of uh, scaled back considerably because it used to be those jokes were way too realistic. If you're like, oh my God, you're doing the thing that we've always wanted. This is what we've always wanted. This is a great idea. And the developers are like, oh, wait, no. Yeah. It was a lie, though. We, we were lying for laughs. Um, <laughs> who got upset? So... They went in another direction, which was not to not do jokes, but to do such an extreme, unrealistic uh, thing that people are like, okay, this is obviously a joke. And, of course, it comes out on April 1st, so no one's going to believe it, even so. Right. Uh, I think that's probably what EO should have done if they had to do a joke, was, like, don't say, don't imply that, like, Snake is going to come to Tekken. Say something like, uh, like, iCarly is coming to Tekken, because that's... So out there that no one's be like, okay, that's real. Yeah. Uh, so I think this. Hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know exactly, and that's the problem is that in this <laughs> climate of guest characters and fighting games, pretty much anyone who's a video game character is on the table. And right. Tekken, Tekken is even not immune to like weird characters. It's got some cartoony weird characters. It's got more mm-hmm. than one. It's got more than one uh, animal fighting in this tournament. Right. Uh, so it, it was just sort of like a real bad idea, and then David Hedry comes out, and you know, first Evo comes out and says like, "Guys, sorry, this was a joke, our bad." <clears throat> you know, very but because also this was almost the exact same way that they announced Snake for Smash back in I think it was Melee. Uh, you know, they're just playing the regular trailer, and all of a sudden the it's Kodak brawl. pops up. Yeah. Oh, Brawl, yeah. The Kodak pops up, and here comes Snake. It's like, okay, you can't do the exact same thing Smash did because that makes it way too. Uh, tangible makes it way too like oh this could be really happening but then yet yeah, David Hayter who to those who have only played Metal Gear Solid 5 was the original voice for Snake very recognizable voice came out and said hey yeah you guys didn't consult me you didn't consult Konami uh, don't do this ever again to promote other games and at first I was like oh he's, he's kind of sound like a curmudgeon but it's, it's also like his voice is his livelihood he mm-hmm. probably doesn't want to set the standard that he's okay with people just taking his voice and using it to promote whatever they want. This is how he makes his living, and they're basically, you know, they kind of just swoop in and took what he wanted. So, overall, not a great look for Evo. I yeah. kind of doubt Namco or Konami might sue them. Uh, no, nah, because they won't. if they tried to sue them, uh, Evo would then just, in return, just say, okay, we're not going to carry your games on our uh, stage anymore. There's plenty of other fighting games, which would upset people, but people would still go to Evo and still watch Evo. But, uh, but think about it. What games would they have? I mean, they'd have Mortal Kombat, Smash, I, Mortal dot, Kombat, dot, dot. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's like... Bandai any... Namco has a lot of games. Yeah. You know? Has a lot of fighting games. Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Um, this game, Tekken, uh, uh, mm. and... Dead or Alive, I think, too. So Yeah, if they lost Namco, they'd have to go crawling back to Capcom and be like, hey, we were just kidding. We really like Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. You can come back. <laughs> you know? 
you know, that's a joke, right? <laughs> <laughs> they'd have to bring back all the Smash games, not just Melee. You know, yeah, they, you know, it'd so, just be like yeah. Smash tournament. <laughs> I think uh, Namco is probably like, you know what? You're suffering enough public opinion damage. I think we don't need to go in for the monetary yeah. health bar too. Uh, yeah, but Konami, yeah. they might. Konami's insane. Who knows what they'll try to do? Yeah, they might try yeah. to like break their kneecaps for all I know. Konami's mm-hmm. insane. I, I don't know. I, at this point, I, I feel like they they probably have said something, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Who knows? It, the future it, it hasn't it didn't happen too long ago, so yeah. future's still uncertain. Moving on to our second news story this week. This one's about Sony's China Joy event, which obviously happened in China. And this happened last weekend. This is basically, if you guys don't know, a couple years ago, Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo, they opened up their hardware to China um, to make more money there. As everyone around the world knows, China is a very big emerging market. There is a lot of profit to be made there. And the people there finally have a disposable income to spend on video games. So uh, this is very important for Sony. I believe this is their third... China Joy event, uh, third or fourth, and the company, the publisher, had a decision to feature a game, a Chinese-developed game called Genshin Impact. Not sure what Genshin means. Genshin Impact takes a lot of its gameplay design, a lot of its look from Breath of the Wild, from its menus to a little bit of its combat to... Uh, other aspects like the world design, things like that, and people didn't really take too favorably to that. They went to China Joy. Uh, one man in particular took his PS4 to China Joy, and he threw it on the ground, saying, "You know, how dare Sony back this project? It's a blatant Breath of the Wild clone." And a lot of people uh, at the at the event they went to Genshin Impact, kind of like where the display area was and with their switches and they threw their switches up in the air and they're saying we are we're only going to play breath of the wild on our switch we're going to protest against genshin impact this is something that you know uh we don't want on our ps4s etc etc and it was a whole big thing so sean i think we discussed about we talked about this a little bit before what's your opinion on genshin impact and the protests that have kind of erupted from from its reveal uh, well, personally, I certainly see the similarities of it to Breath of the Wild. Um, certainly aesthetically in a lot of areas, the graphical uh, style of it. The UI, the menu UI especially, looks straight yeah. from Breath of the Wild. Uh, and there are some parts where it looks like a pure asset flip with some touch-ups to make it legally distinct. Even though... China doesn't really care about legally distinct. China is known for producing a lot of uh, copyright infringement. That's just mm-hmm. that's one of their main exports is copyright infringement. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the reaction to this is somewhat uh, confusing to me because people are, are freaking out that this game is copying Breath of the Wild, and the problem with that is that Breath of the Wild really didn't do much that was innovative and unique to Breath of the Wild. What made Breath of the Wild unique was because it was a Zelda game doing this, whereas Zelda had been, for all its mainline series, it had been set to a very specific formula. 
And then here comes Breath of the Wild, and he said, forget that formula. That's old busted. Here's the new hotness. Uh, right. <clears throat> primarily what uh, Breath of the Wild did that was new was that you could scale up any surface, which really opened up the world to exploration. Um, but it's also one of those things where it's like, why haven't people been copying Breath of the Wild? Because that, that was a, a gangbuster uh, of a game. It, it sold like crazy. People were talking about it for a long, long time, still talking about it. Um, so it, it's one of those things in games where it's like, I look at it and I'm like, why aren't more people copying this? Like you see like Grand right. Theft Auto comes out and you see a bunch of Grand Theft Auto clones following uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 and Vice City. Um, yeah. But then you see something like the combat and the Arkham games. And while that has been mimicked in a lot of games, it hasn't really been copied by as many games as I would have thought considering how popular it was. Um, mm-hmm. And then even more so in that extreme is the Nemesis system in Shadow of War or Shadow of Mordor. I forget which one is the first one. That was such a cool system yeah. that I've never seen any other game used before or since. And it baffles me because like, this is a really cool system. Why is no one been copying this. Well, um, I think I think in, in that case, I think they might have had a copyright. I guess on that, that's that uh, system, like the, the Nemesis system. Yeah. I don't know. It, it <laughs> is possible. I I don't know. That's the, my assumption. There are copyrights on all sorts of weird video game mechanics. Like um, I yeah. forget who owns it. But someone owns the copyright to a arrow at the top of your screen pointing you in your uh, to your next objective. And so other games have gotten really? around that. They don't use like an actual arrow on the screen. They'll use something else to kind of point in the direction, that, uh, a way of like compass type system. But an actual arrow on the screen pointing in a direction, that was, I think it was the creators of Crazy Taxi copyrighted it. Because Crazy Taxi oh. used it, I know that for sure. Um, hmm. But you won't That's see that from uh, end games that are not owned by that company if they still own the copyright. Mm-hmm. So you might be right. It could be the Nemesis system is owned, uh, the copyright. You know, it's copyrighted. Like, hey, no, you can't use this kind of system. But even then, right? Make some changes. Make it legally distinct because that's a great system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, Tim, what do you think of Genshin Impact? Well, uh, I guess I think I'm in the same boat as you, Sean. So I was looking at some of the. Um, some of like the screenshots and kind of think like, oh yeah, I mean, I can I can totally see you got like these grassy plains and valleys and it's like bright blue sky and all this all this stuff. It's like okay, I can from you know from that alone, I can I can see how there's similarities there. And then I was looking at some of the gameplay footage and yeah, you know, as they're walking around and going to some places, it's like okay, yes, it it does it does resemble. Uh, a lot of Breath of the Wild, but I guess I I wonder about even if aesthetically it's kind of like really comparable to Breath of the Wild. I also kind of wonder what's the storyline. What are some of the different game mechanics? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it looks like you can play as different people. I guess. <clears throat> yeah. And they have, like, different special moves that you can execute, like ultimates or something or other. And are, you know, are there dungeons? What do those look like aesthetically? What are their mechanics? What are the sort of different environments 
and different biomes that you can travel to. Mm-hmm. Who's the main bad guy if there is one, and you know what are their motivations, and just there's a lot of room for deviation from what Breath of the Wild is and what it did. And even if I mean, it's easy to say that it could. It's like oh, it's a it's a carbon copy because I mean I I, I can understand that because from just a surface level, it does reflect aesthetically what Breath of the Wild looks like. But I just wonder what some of those other elements are and how they handle it. Because, you know, other devs are allowed to take inspiration from other games. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one owns a specific art style or such and such. Um, and I guess I wonder how people would feel if something like this came out like I don't know, 10 years from now? You know, would people still think of it as a ripoff or maybe it'd come across more of as an homage to people and get yeah. them nostalgic that, for That's this. always the, the difficult uh, line to distinguish is the difference between homage and theft. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's always... While it's not something I agree with, it seems most people... The difference between homage and theft is whether or not they like it. If they like it and it's good, it's homage. If they don't like it, it's theft. Uh, hmm. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's a good the point. Technical yeah. line would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you look at games that obviously copy from games in the past, like the most recent example I can think of off the top of my head is Marvel Spider-Man. That takes obviously a lot of inspiration from Batman, right, with its combat mm-hmm. systems. Yeah. But that's a great you, game like in that. and of itself. So a lot of people don't really necessarily. Um, criticize that game for having these aspects right yeah i i mean in terms of what i think of genshin impact i don't think you know the fact that the matter is that this is a game that's very much trying to appeal to an asian audience with its anime art styles and aesthetic and stuff like that so i i don't feel i don't see it'll ever hit I don't see it ever hitting like the mainstream like Breath of the Wild did. So I don't really see it as becoming something that we're going to even you know remember in in a couple of years to be honest, at least us in the West. I mean, honestly, I truly I, I don't what can do you remember what the second hyperdimension Neptunia game is? You know, like come on, like it, it I don't even I barely even know that franchise exists. But like so I I I I don't think it'll hit that kind of mainstream appeal, at least not at this point in time. Um, I I don't know. I, I, Sean, you pointed out before how, and Tim too, like you guys just pointed out how it is a bit confusing because this isn't the first time that a game has kind of taken inspiration from, you know, a, a mainstream video game that's been very popular and... Uh, used it, it, incorporated its gameplay elements, incorporated a little bit of its styles into uh, its its you know into its feature set. I, I don't I don't know. Like it, it just I feel like it's a little bit like little too much in the sense that it's a video game and like to be protesting like that at at you know like taking out your someone said and I think it was N four G. Like, the guy who threw out his PS4 on the ground, he clearly has bigger problems than this, you know? And, and I agree with him, you know? Like, yeah. why would you do that? Like, that that just, it's really silly. And, um, 
Yeah, I, I just think it's it's kind of silly more than more silly than anything else. It's a video game, you know. Yeah. Like not not to discredit us and and what we do here, but like it's video game. Like to be to get angry over this, over artistic design and direction is just so. I don't know. It, it it's so nonsensical. Just yeah. move on. Just don't buy the game and move on. That's in it. In truth. Uh, I, I did some quick digging, uh, so someone might be able to uh, correct me with some uh, further evidence. But I did some quick digging through like Twitter to see what people were saying about Genshin Impact, and for the most part, people seemed fine with it. Uh, any right. sort of quote unquote outrage over it was just people sort of like, you know, wow, this game sure looks familiar. Oh wow, mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. It was just sort of you know kind of taking the piss, but they weren't really saying like this game is diabolical it's stealing from nintendo you know uh Mm -hmm. so i don't know how much of an outrage there really is going on about it uh i think certainly people might decide whether or not they want to what they're going to talk about the game is you know like the first thing they see is that it looks like breath of wild and that's what they want to talk about but i think people Mm -hmm. who decide to actually watch the full trailer and they see the different things that the game is doing they might be like okay it's it's adding its own spin yeah, they didn't infre- they didn't invent French fries, but they're adding some spices to it, and there's some mm-hmm. some side stuff. You know, it's it's doing something yeah, yeah, yeah. different. You know, it's a different yeah. flavor. It looks the same, sure, but it it tastes different. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think here in the West, we don't make as big of a deal out of it because maybe we're we're more we're more used to it. I, I, I don't know what the what the uh, reasoning there is, but uh, yeah. I think this is something that it kind of came and went and, you know, the game's going to release and maybe it won't do fine in China, but (laughs) outside of there, it'll, it'll be fine. I I don't, I don't think this is, I think this is very much like an isolated incident type of thing. So moving on to our next news story and Tim, I really want to hear your opinion on this one because you're really looking forward to Borderlands 3. Uh, This one's all about how Take-Two has tried to kind of silence or punish a prominent Borderlands YouTuber. His name is Sup Matto. Are you familiar with Sup Matto, Tim? Uh, no. I'm actually not. Okay. So Sup Matto, uh, for our audience, people listening, he is a prominent or was, I should say, <laughs> a prominent YouTuber. Uh, he and his main kind of thing was Borderlands and uh, every week or every other week, he would come out with new information about the sequel. Um, uh, he usually he really goes in depth as to tips and tricks of of you know the games and um, uh, certain leaks or information that he may have found through uh, Twitch or other uh, avenues. And he, like he, for instance, he correctly predicted that Borderlands Two was going to get a DLC connecting that game to Borderlands 3. He connect, He correctly predicted the four protagonists in Borderlands 3. Uh, I think he even went so far as to predict uh, their classes, like one would have a tank, uh, the other one would be, like, have um, uh, like, spectral animals with him, and etc, cetera, etc, cetera, and the other one would be a, a siren. So, I take two, obviously did not <laughs> did not uh, really like that. So what they did was, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, they shut down his 
his Discord channel. I know that for sure. Yeah. And I believe they shut down his Twitch channel as as well. His YouTube channel is still up because mm-hmm. he did do a video about it. Uh, but he couldn't really publish any new videos. Uh, I think in two months he he couldn't do anything because Take Two was investigating him for around ten months. Uh, and they sent they even went so far as to send two investigators to his house to kind of uh, curtail any more information, any more leaks that he may have about the game. Take Two's official response was, uh, let me get that for you. Take Two and 2K take the security and confidentiality of trade secrets very seriously. The action we've taken is the result of a 10-month investigation and a history of this creator profiting from breaking our policies, leaking confidential information about our product, and infringing our copyright. So guys, what do you think about this? Because Submato, he claims that all of this information is publicly available. He did not go through private channels in order to get it. This was stuff that he found himself. He said that uh, on April 29th, the official Borderlands YouTube channel posted the reveal of the Twitch extension leading to the game pre- reveal. So he kind of like snooped. He, he did a lot of digging um, into these leaks and into the speculation. And he did his homework. And, and really that's what his YouTube channel was about. It was about speculation. It wasn't confirming that these details were going to come out. So what do you guys think? Is this justified for Take-Two to kind of shut down his channels now and then um you know uh until until uh they they come to a verdict or should they have uh is that a is that the right thing to do or should they have let it up and then if they had found something more definitive then then they'll shut them down uh, tim what do you think i guess i mean sending like I mean, has this really happened for it at this degree? Like a company sending two private investigators? I mean, like, uh, the only thing I can I can think of is Nintendo. They did do that, I believe. It's called the Nintendo um, Nintendo Ninjas, <laughs> and um, uh, really, yeah, yeah. They it was like some kind of I don't know if it was a rumor. But um, there there are instances that I, I there are pretty legitimate. I, I think that Nintendo has sent representatives to people's houses to tell them, "Hey, you know, you're you're kind of fucking up here. We don't want you talking about our products anymore." So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, to a point, I feel like I can understand uh, companies and game devs not wanting certain aspects of stuff getting out um but i mean if he really if he really was like if the youtuber stream streamer Supmata was like you know really on the up and up and wasn't like like went through proper channels and stuff like there's tons of speculation channels on tons of different games right. so just Considering that, it seems like maybe it's not the right course of action to, I mean, not only, I mean, the investigators is one thing, but then, like, shutting him all down completely. Right. Don't know if that's proper. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, there are undoubtedly many, many, many 
you know, Borderlands 3, speculation channels, et cetera, et cetera, that do this. And it just seems odd that they're singling this guy out. I mean, he is, he does go, as I mentioned before, very in-depth with his um, his theories. And he does get, I, I'd say, most of them right. Um, but he does go through the proper channels to kind of uh, snoop around and, and really get the information that he wants. So, I don't know. And, and you look at franchises like Call of Duty and Activision, and you have, I think, many more, you know, like hundreds even, YouTube channels that that do this every year. They say, oh, they speculate what the next Call of Duty is, speculate what new features it's going to include, et cetera, et cetera. And Activision doesn't, at least as far as I know, they don't really do anything about it. So, I don't know. It's just, it's a bit odd. Uh, Sean, what do you think of this this whole mess? Uh, I certainly have uh, a lot to say, so if I tend to ramble, uh, I apologize. Okay. <laughs> because I'm, I'm a big fan of the Borderlands franchise. Uh, right. Started playing it since Borderlands 1. Played uh, hundreds of hours in Borderlands 2. I think it's my mm-hmm. second most played game on Steam, just behind TF2. Wow. You um, and Tim should play together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have been waiting for, like other fans of Borderlands, for Borderlands 3 for seven years now. It's been a long time coming. And long I time. feel like at this point I have Stockholm Syndrome with the Borderlands franchise because as excited as I am for it, every week there seems to be some new reason for me to be like, I shouldn't get this game. I shouldn't give them any money. And the problem mm-hmm. is, like, the game looks great. It looks fun. It looks cool. It looks like it's everything I've wanted that I've been waiting for seven years for. But everything else surrounding it is nasty. And I, mm. I don't want to bite through the poop coating to get to the caramel inside, <laughs> you know? I, I don't want that taste okay. added to it. That, that's okay. I've never heard <laughs> that before, but okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I ever since uh, Borderlands 3 was announced to be um, Epic exclusive on PC, I have been sort of like, oh... What am I going to do? I've been straddling the fence. I'm like, should I just get it on Epic? Should I just wait for Steam? Can I wait six more months? Um, I came to the conclusion that maybe I'll get it on PS4, and I'll play it there, and then get it on Steam when it comes out on there, you know, sort of double dip that way. Mm-hmm. But after this, I'm like, I don't know what to do, because this is a bad look. Um, right. So I'm not... A big fan of Submato. Not that I don't like Submato, I just don't follow him very extensively. But I've seen uh, enough of his videos to know what he's about. And I don't know if he does videos on other games, but it seems like Borderlands is his bread and butter. <clears throat> and when yeah. you are a YouTuber who focuses on one game in particular, you gotta spread that jelly a lot. You gotta really spread it thin. Because that game's not going to last you forever. How long can you possibly talk about this one game? And so what he has to do, especially since he's had a seven-year drought of Borderlands <laughs> content, aside from, I guess, pre-sequel and Tales from Borderlands, which are great, but Poor pre-sequel <laughs> is more than Borderlands 2, and yeah. Tales from Borderlands is not exactly what his fans are looking at. Um, he's really got, you know, spread it out. So he's done a lot of videos where he plays Borderlands under different mods and stuff like that. Just really got to stretch it out. Uh, but what he's been doing for Borderlands 3 is he's been doing a lot of speculation. But what he primarily does is he doesn't make so much predictions as he does just report on leaks. 
And for the most part, it seems like he doesn't actually go leak the information himself. It's not like you're getting it here exclusive, this piece of right. information, you won't get it anywhere else. It's, by the way, this modder he found, like for the, um, the DLC, he said some modders, uh, after an update came out for Borderlands 2, they did some digging in the source code, and they found some references to effervescent guns, and they pulled up the the uh, the list of it and this kind of thing, and I think it's going to be with this. So his predictions are actually very accurate. I think that's one of the reasons he's popular is that his predictions and his leak information is very accurate, right? Uh, to the point yeah. where he might as well just be making the announcements for Borderlands himself. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you look at how much uh, 2K and Take Two and Gearbox have been trying to promote Borderlands Three with a drip feed of information. Yeah, for a guy to come out and be like, "Oh no, no, let me just turn that nozzle on to full blast for you," that kind of upsets them. Uh, mm-hmm. So, according to Submato, he said, um, "What I what this happened was because there was a Twitch stream where they're showing off the Twitch integration for Borderlands Three, and I noticed that uh, some of the Twitch names that were appearing on the stream were real Twitch names. So I went and I watched, I looked, I followed those channels." And there were nothing channels. They had no followers. They weren't following anyone. They had no videos. But as soon as it said they were going live, he would look at those streams, and he got new information to leak out. Um, so that's what he means by it was publicly available information that he leaked. Uh, this wasn't uh, like he had a um, an insider at Gearbox, and he was meeting him in a, in a parking garage late at night, and they were trading <laughs> manila envelopes or anything like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was just him doing a little bit of snooping, and finding out some information, and then right. leaking that himself to a wider audience, which I think is what Take Two is upset about: is that he takes these leaks and brings it to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Take Two, <clears throat> they said, no, no, no. What he's done is way more nefarious. He went through some back channels and he did some weird digging, right. and he did some exploiting of some encryption, and he got that information. And it's hard to tell who's telling the truth. Like, it's Take-Two just trying to cover their butts and be like, no, some some kid behind his computer screen didn't trick us. We're Take-Two. We have impenetrable security. He must be a mega hacker. We're dealing with the Matrix over here. Or is <laughs> something being like, no, 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 please don't. Don't be mad at me. I'm, I'm this poor little kid. I, I just got lucky. Someone put this stuff. Yeah. So my brother got on my YouTube account, and he posted the videos. It's not my fault. Please believe me. And... Of course, usually the truth is somewhere in the middle, probably. Um, mm-hmm. And you feel kind of bad for Submato because the video he posted where he said this, he's never being very angry at Take Two or Two K. He's just saying, "I really love Borderlands, guys, but after this, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need to just, I need to uninstall Borderlands. I need to take a break. I need to just decompress and think about how I'm going to move forward because." This right. has been a lot for me. It's been a, a whirlwind of things going on, and I just need to figure out why do you go? Because he's still a big Borderlands fan, but he's also saying, "I'm tired of this. This is right exhausting." But no matter what the truth is from either side of them, the fact remains that Take Two sent private investigators to his house to question him. Yep. 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 And that's crossing a line for me. As soon as you take an online relationship, even a business one, and move it into the physical. You've crossed. You've elevated things. You've escalated things mm-hmm. for better or right. worse. And by sending physical people to his home, that's crossing a line because you have to consider how do they know where he lived? Well, there's two options. 
he probably didn't tell them where he lived. They wouldn't be like, hey, something matter where you live. We're going to send some goons to your house. He's like, oh, okay, well, cool. Uh, well, I live over here. Uh, please make them sure they're dressed up like psychos because that'd be fun for me. Uh, <laughs> no, what probably happened was one of two things. One, take to reference some information he had given them before when he went to like one of their physical events because he's been to like their Borderlands 3 streamer event, at which mm-hmm. point he probably would have given them his phone number and his home address so they can send him invites and physical goodies or whatever. Yeah. Or two, they did some reverse engineering of his online activity and figured out where his home address was by doxing him and figuring it that way. Either way, the way they got the information was dishonest, underhanded, and a betrayal of his trust. So for them to do this is a big no-no. This is a very bad look for Take-Two. Not that Take-Two cares. They make billions of dollars. We've talked about them before owning you know, Rockstar and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is really not a good look. Uh, it seems every day there's like, oh, here's this really cool piece of Moreland's information. And by the way, here's, here's the recipe Take-Two has for cooking babies. But look at these cool guns. It's like, oh, what do I, you know? So, right. For me, I'm at odds of what I want to do. I think I'm more leaning towards I'm not going to get it until it comes out on Steam and it has all the season passes with it and it's on sale and all that stuff. But if other people want to play Borderlands 3, I'm not going to hold it against them. I'm not going to, you know, impose my weird moral code on them and be like, hey, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't support 2K. It's mm-hmm. nothing like that because at the end of the day, again, it's video games, and what they're doing is while underhanded, they didn't exactly send two ex-pro wrestlers to his house to beat to rough him up and make sure he didn't talk mm-hmm. anymore. You know, they just sent I, some sort of question. Right. I, you know, I, I agree with you, Sean. Um, I, to the extent that you know, sending investigators to someone's home to question them, I think is a little bit too far. Uh, especially because, you know, I, I view Supmato as a reporter on Borderlands Three. He specialized. This is his, you know, his his um, his role. His 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 yeah. profession is to specialize in Borderlands Three. And I see this as kind of like video journalism in the sense that he's really going out of his way to dig into uh, what have you Twitch channels or public tr- Twitch channels or. Uh, files that are all publicly available in order to find this information, and in actuality, that's what a good reporter does. You know, they mm-hmm. they they do digging and then they report on the digging that they do. There's nothing new there. You know, I, I I don't see anything wrong with that. So, if what he does say is indeed true and he could prove that what he did was what what he did and he didn't go through private channels, then he, there's no there's nothing wrong there. I mean, that's He's just reporting on what he found. It's all publicly available. He's not doing anything wrong there. Um, and Take Two is in the wrong because, you know, that's that's journalist that's journalism. You know, that's that's how it is. Sorry, you know, if you say something that's shitty, people and you know, and it was like in 2005, people can come up, people can bring it up in 2028. That's just how mm-hmm. it is. So. Uh, like yeah, I, I understand in that regard. It is a little too far if what Submeta says is indeed true. But on the other on the other hand, you know, if he was kind of going through pri- private channels and leaking this information and lying to his audience, as to take to suggests, 
okay, then he's more in the wrong. And then um, maybe sending private investigators to his house still is a little bit, you know, um, uh, too much there. But shutting down maybe like his uh, his Twitch channel or preventing him from streaming. I mean, that, that's unfortunately how the platform works. Uh, it, it's I don't think it takes two problem. I think that's just the platform's problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because if you have a problem with the streamer or what what have you, you know that that's just a, their policy. So uh, I, I don't really. If there's anyone to blame there in terms of his channel shutting down, it's Twitch, not really Take Two. Um, but I, again, like it's hard to kind of. Align my. I, I feel. I find it hard to align myself with either side here because I don't really know the full story, you know. Because they're saying two drastically different things. Okay, take two was in the wrong for sending the private investigators, but still, you know, I I I agree that that aspect was wrong. But like, if they if Submatter was really was leaking all of this information about their game, a game that they've been working undoubtedly very hard for. Hundreds of people have been working for for many years, and only for some kid on the internet to kind of, you know, just spoil everything. That's unfortunate. Okay, yeah. like that. That's they've they've gone through a lot of uh, effort to kind of keep everything a secret, and that just sucks. Um, but in regards to uh, him being all very honest and and truthful, and he just reporting on what he found, then okay, then yeah, take two is in the wrong. So I don't really know who to align myself with, you know? I, yeah. I don't know the, the real truth here. It's it's tough. The rule of thumb is generally don't ally yourself, ally yourself, align yourself with the big business. But even in this mm-hmm. case, it feels like no one's coming out of this smelling like roses. Um, right, right. I think, honestly, what the private investigators were, I don't think Take-Two assumed that they could send two private investigators to his home and they could get actual information on how he was getting the leaks. I don't think they believed that was going to happen. I think well, they did actually, it to scare him. Yeah, they did it to scare him. It was an intimidation tactic. Basically, for them to say, without saying it, hey, guess what? We know where you live, and we have guys. So of course. So you put yeah. the pieces together, buddy. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it was, you know, kind of rile them up, kind of shake them up. Uh, but yeah. this, you know, this touches into the whole wider issue of leak culture, which was, you know, just... You know, people love these leaks. Um, they love reading about the leaks. They love uh, seeing this information before no one else is supposed to see it. Uh, there's been arguments on either side saying leaks are information. They are of the public interest. And as such, as a reporter, I am obligated to report something in the public interest. And right. then there are those in the industry saying, you're, hurt, you're hurting sales. We wanted to cultivate a certain level of hype. We wanted to roll this out in the right way, and by releasing this information as you are, you're misrepresenting things. I think the best example would probably be uh, Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battles, because when mm-hmm. that uh, uh, that slide got leaked out, I was like, "That's not real," and people were like, "No, that's real." I said, "Oh my god, that's awful." So when it got announced at E3, I went in being like, "I don't like this. I don't want this. This is the worst thing." Because my imagination immediately went filled in the blanks, being like. This is going to be a nightmare. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, it actually looks kind of fun. And it is fun. I don't like that it has rabbits in it. I think that's (laughs) probably its biggest detriment. 
And I will right. never forgive Ubisoft for the fact that you have to have at least one rabbit in your party. I think that's just mean. But, <laughs> you know, this the whole thing about leaks. Like, personally, I don't really like leaks. I don't like looking up leaks. I don't like reading leaks. Leading up to E3, there's always a lot of leaks. And I don't like reading them because, for me, I've always a, a equivalent to looking at your Christmas present early. You know, you open the box, you know what you're going to get, and you're still going to get it, but your reaction, your, the excitement of it is considerably dulled. And mm-hmm. while the game's quality should not be, it's not dependent on your reaction and how excited you were when you saw it. And some can argue, well, when your excitement level was brought down, you can look at the game more objectively. I have the entire time from the game being announced to the game being released to look at it objectively. Let me have that moment of excitement for the game. Because the games industry, there's not a lot to be excited about sometimes. There's a lot to be bummed out about. But sometimes, you know, E3 <laughs> is an exciting moment. But Right. So, yeah. you know, I can understand why companies don't like leaks and they want to plug up leaks. But the way to do it is not be like, hey, that kid has a bucket full of water that he took from our leaky wall. Go get him. The, right. the, what you should do is be like, we got a leaky wall. Let's plug it up so that kid doesn't get any more water. You know, it's yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. Uh, fix it's, it internally. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Look internally, see where the problem is there, and fix yourself before you go blaming other people. Because again, right? Submata was not trading secret information. He, I doubt he had some insider in the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he was, you know, breaking into the offices offices at night, rappelling down on some wire, and <laughs> you know. Opening their safe with a safe cracker, right? Like yeah, that. I don't think he's part of Spy Kids. No, <laughs> no, he's. I was going Mission no. Impossible, but yeah, Spy Kids. I don't think he's no. a Spy Kid. Um, oh, you're going Mission maybe Impossible. It was the I was Nintendo Ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo Ninjas. <laughs> maybe it's the Nintendo Ninjas. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're behind this the whole it, time. It's somehow, all yeah. corporate espionage. They've been thing, yeah. manipulating them like puppets. Yeah, <laughs> Shigeru, <laughs> Miyamoto, you've got us again. Uh, so yeah. Again, not to ramble and, and occupy the conversation entirely, but it's, yeah, right. it's, the whole situation is a big bummer for me just because mm. I'm super excited for Borderlands 3. I'm still excited for it, but every time I get excited for it, I'm like, remember what Take-Two did, remember what 2K is doing, right. remember what Gearbox did. And right, Randy Pitchford, oh, he's a guy. Randy Pitchford, man, that that's a whole thing on of itself, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, at least I got... Darksiders Genesis to look forward to. There's no there bad go. blood with that company yet, so yeah. companies just be quiet. Just let things <laughs> be, so I don't have to hate you. All right, please. Well, we will see when Borderlands releases. I believe this September. So. That will be the real test of my convictions. Will I be <laughs> able to not buy it and wait until it comes out on Steam on sale? Because history shows. I'll fail on that regard. But historically, I've never had this much reason not to buy a game. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll check back in September to see yeah. where, you, where you stand with that, Sean. Yeah. But if Tim, <laughs> if you end up getting it, let me know how good it is. And I guess we'll see what happens with my convictions there. <laughs> yeah, sure. So moving on to our next news story. This one's, I think it's good news. Uh, the Federal Trade Commission, the United States Federal Trade Commission to be more specific, had a ongoing workshop 
uh, on Wednesday uh, regarding loot boxes. I don't. I'm surprised more people haven't reported on this. Right. All three, yeah, all three of them: Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft, uh, and some other major video game publishers. They will all require that all the games on their platforms disclose rates of obtaining loot from loot boxes in the future. So that means that all of the major console makers, you know, uh, uh, Sony's PlayStation 4 and subsequent PlayStation 5, Microsoft's Xbox One and Windows, and all of their subsequent iterations, and Nintendo, uh, Nintendo's Switch and whatever, Switch 2, whatever the hell is going to happen, they're all going to require that games that will, that, that have intentions of putting loot boxes in their systems disclose the rates uh, of obtaining loot uh, and the rarity and probability of, of obtaining those r- randomized virtual items. Uh, that's that's a good thing, right? I think anybody could kind of can kind of uh, say that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But on the no, other hand, <laughs> we did. <laughs> they always got to be a but. I like the mystery. I want to be surprised. Why? Yeah, I want more obfuscation. I want more obfuscation. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to know. Don't even tell me what could be in the box. I just want the box. That's all I want. Right. I'm like a cat. I just want the box. I don't want what's in it. But the nature of promoting the use of loot boxes is still kind of murky at best. Um, Omed Dariani, the CEO of Online Performers Group which is a group that uh, – a major management company for uh, streamers and YouTubers, uh, particularly on YouTube and Twitch platforms uh, and celebrities. I think uh, Angry Joe is part of this uh, this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stated that a lot of companies uh, ask that, they, that they, they actually pay for people to um, open loot boxes on stream – um, they to to they give them like a certain, I'd say like a um, uh, uh, a certain amount of money to to spend on loot boxes while they're streaming or while they're doing these sort of things. Um, and in some cases, actually, they've they've actually improved the odds of them obtaining rare items in a particular stream just so that. People can go, wow, I can, you know, whomever's watching can go, wow, I can actually uh, obtain this rare item and mm-hmm. it won't take you very long. And it's all in the name of promoting, uh, of enticing people to purchase loot boxes and other forms of in-game gambling. Uh, and that has been something that's pretty been pretty commonplace for a while now. And again, publishers do this more often than we think. So what do you guys think of this? I, I, on both sides of the story... Uh, do you? I, I think that you that we all agree here that um, you know the fact that Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo are um, coming together and, and telling you know developers to publish loopbacks odds that's a good thing, right? But what do you think of this whole online performers group? How they're admitting that publishers will continue to do this in the future of of kind of enticing streamers to open loot boxes on stream. Tim, what do you think of it? Well, it's funny because I this kind of made me think back to uh, what was it like the CS:GO skin yeah, gambling yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. Was... and like the the rigged like rates mm-hmm. with um 
whatever all that was. So it, you know, I guess it's not a good knee-jerk reaction to think back to that. Mm -hmm. But, um, I I mean, at at least, I, I mean, yes, this is definitely a good thing in terms of, like, disclosing the odds because even though there's been an effort by some devs who I'm sure we all know to go against classifying loot boxes as gambling and decide to classify instead as like surprise mechanics and stuff like that. And at the very least, even if this doesn't mean loot boxes are kind of going to be going away or getting restrictions, it moves it further in the direction of aligning them more with gambling since other forms of it do require to disclose odds mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that, yes, that's definitely a good thing. Um, and in terms of of publishers like providing loot boxes to streamers, um, I don't know. I mean... I don't know. Like, there's there's obviously some bias there, and the people who are opening it have nothing to lose. Right. So it can just kind of a different sort of take and perspective on that. It's easier to like, I don't know, like get less disappointed or still be like representing the experience in an overall better light than maybe you would if you actually put something into that. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do. Yeah, it, it, it. I understand kind of like the, the sentiment that you have. It's kind of like, well, you know that they're already promoting the game in the first place, so to, to it, it's not necessarily surprising that I, I think this is what you're trying to say, right, Tim? Like, like it's not necessarily surprising that you know publishers and developers would, um, you know, actually try at the, as best as they can to kind of. Um, improve those odds or, or do whatever they can to promote um, that aspect of their game, right? Is, is that's what you're saying? That they would, like, change the odds? Mm-hmm, you mean? right. Oh, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. It, it wouldn't be surprising. It would be scummy. Be yeah, very scummy. Right, right. But, but it wouldn't guess, be surprising. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't yeah. be. Yeah, I, I get that. You know, I... I, I, I it, it's weird because I, I think, like, when, when people view streaming and they view this type of content they don't necessarily think that it's promoting something but it is a form of entertainment and when you look at entertainment i mean there are very few forms of entertainment nowadays that don't promote something you know what i'm saying like they're they're even if you go on netflix they're always kind of promoting something you know or if they're not promoting you know, a brand or, or I mean, like a, a company, then they're promoting, you know, um, themselves. So it, it's always, it, there's always some kind of element there. Um, and the way that, that we as internet denizens have kind of seen streaming and YouTubers and stuff is kind of like, oh, they're just funny guys, you know, comedians or what have you that are there to play games for our enjoyment and not really, um, uh, they're not. They're, they don't necessarily think that they're advertisers or that they're marketers, or they don't. They don't see them in that light in the same way that they see, you know, um, uh, actors or or what have you, or commercials, things like that. So, 
it's interesting to kind of see that line getting more and more blurred or, or rather like people actually waking up and seeing, hey, you know, streamers are actually promoted by people. They are actually um, being supported that way. I should note, though, and that, that brings up something in, in my mind, that the the man, I believe his name was Dariani, he did say that a lot of these streamers and YouTubers, they do publicly state that they are being backed by a major public, publisher or developer when they're streaming mm-hmm. the game. So when uh, they, they are opening up loot boxes and stuff like that, um, people are supposedly full aware, fully aware that, you know, um, the, the publisher is there kind of helping them. They, they do have some kind of inkling in their mind that, that the publishers are giving them better odds or that they are giving them money to open these loot boxes. But he argues that audiences don't really care about that. And mm-hmm. it's really actually something in their mind. Oh, wow, this guy's being backed by 2K. This guy's being backed by Sony or whomever. Not Sony, EA or whomever. Uh, that's actually a good thing because that means that they're legit, that they're actually validated. So that that's also a very interesting aspect of it too, I think. It, it it's kind of like these guys have like uh, risen from from all the noise and now they're famous because so and so is backing them but also that's not necessarily a good thing because they're in the publisher's park pocket and they're kind of manipulating us so you know there there are multiple aspects of the story it's multifaceted Sean what do you make of all of this um well before i get into that i want to sort of go off on some of the sentiment you made where it's like there's nothing uh, and the visual media that you can do that won't have some level of advertising in it. Right. Even if you don't think something has advertising in it, there's some level of advertising in it, intentionally or otherwise. Even to go so far as the clothes that people are wearing, they're advertising that style to you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, as for this story, uh, talking on the good side, very surprised that all of these companies decided to jump on board and say, yes, we will disclose the loot box odds from 2020 going forward, which was very surprising considering some of the companies on this list. Um, this has happened before, uh, I believe it was with Overwatch, uh, where Overwatch was forced to disclose the odds of their loot boxes only in, I think, China. Uh, at the very least, it wasn't North America, but let's say China. So they had to disclose the yep. odds for the loot boxes in China. So what they did... I remember that. So yeah. that people couldn't just be like, okay, let me look at what the loot box odds are in China. They gave different odds for the boxes on a Chinese account versus everyone else. Yep. So while yep. China has those odds disclosed, those odds are not the same for everyone else. Which felt really underhanded and scummy, but we moved on past that. So I was really surprised when I saw this news about... Uh, very happy that it was Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony because those are the three big ones. Uh, and if you want to have your game on their consoles, you have to play ball with them. So even if these other companies didn't say they would do it, they would have to do it because if they're going to be on the uh, on these console platforms. Um, so I was really happy to see this information. Uh, I do have some level of hesitation because I'm like, why are you doing this? What what benefit does it do for you other than PR? How good could the PR be that it would nullify any benefit from having mysterious loot box odds? But I'm mm-hmm. choosing just to look at it as a very positive thing for once. Uh, and I did look at the list. There's a list of, of developers and publishers who are also going along with this. Uh, some big names like 
Bethesda and Electronic Arts and Ubisoft and Take Two and Activision. And I said, wow, I can't believe Activision's going to do this. And I thought, wait a minute, why is Activision doing this? And I started to get suspicious again. I'm like, why is Activision, of all people, agreeing to this? What do they got up their sleeve? So I'm still a little hesitant, but for the most part, I'm still pretty happy with this news. It's good news. It's This is basically like when the ESRB was founded, where Congress right. didn't know what to do about violent video games. They said, what are we supposed to do about this? We need to regulate this. We need to put some legislation down to figure out how to make sure these things don't get in the hands of kids. And the video game industry said, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes. What if mm-hmm. we established our own rating system so people would know what was in the game before they bought it. And Congress said, okay. And they did, and it's worked great since then. Not perfectly, but it's worked pretty well. Um, so if I this should can... note that um, the reason I, I think um, a lot of people, the way that they're kind of interpreting this is that because lawmakers, are, not, to me, not to cut you off, Sean, that lawmakers okay. are doing the, that... Um, when when it has to do with U.S. law uh, and a lot of law across um, you know Western civilization, um, that if you're a self self regulated industry, you have to kind of maintain yourself. And a lot of what these companies are doing, they're seeing lawmakers getting involved. And when a lawmaker gets involved in your industry, it's never mm-hmm. a good thing. So uh, yeah. they'll start regulating you know what you could do with your games. So. Uh, this is really a sign of Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo banding together alongside other publishers and developers to say, hey, U.S. government and other governments around the world, look what we're doing. We're self-regulating ourselves. Please don't get involved because if you get involved, you're going to fuck us over. So that that's really – I think yeah. that that's – yeah. I just wanted that, to point that out. That makes sense. No, yeah, that makes sense. So this is basically like another ESRB situation where kind of, the game yeah, industry yeah, yeah. had no exactly. intention of doing the rating system, but as soon as the government was like, what are you doing over there? They said, no, 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 nothing. We're, we're, yeah, we're, exactly. We're grading our own paper. We're being honest. Don't don't worry what we're doing over here. Mm-hmm, so, yeah, right. this sounds like pretty much the same thing where they're kind of saying, okay, well, now that the government's looking at us, we got to sort of, you know, you know, put our hands behind our back and start whistling so we look innocent kind of deal. So Exactly. Yeah, yeah. but regardless of their their reasons for doing it, it benefits the consumer at least. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, so I'm happy about that. Uh, as for the other news, which is streamers getting loot boxes, uh, I'm not too surprised by it. I think it... it it's still taking some people by surprise because I think there's still a sentiment, and it's a, it's a diminishing sentiment because over the years this has changed, that YouTubers and streamers are underground entertainers. They're not bound mm-hmm. by advertisers. They're not bound by the rules of you know, Jimmy Fallon or, or Steven Spielberg right. kind of thing. They do their own thing. They're, they're pirates of the entertainment industry. Well, not pirates. Uh, cowboys of the entertainment industry. Uh, <laughs> but over the years, they, you know, companies started saying, well, there's money to be made here because no one's watching network TV. I don't know why anyone's not watching Mike and Molly, but they're certainly watching PewDiePie. <laughs> so let's, fig- yeah. let's figure out what's going on over on that side of the fence. And so advertisers came in. They said, hey, we got some money. You want some money? And the content creator said, yeah, we like money. We like, we like buying food. And so they started getting money. 
And of course, people started like, well, hold on, you better be upfront about this. And so, to their credit, uh, platforms like YouTube are pretty upfront about it. They'll say this contains sponsored content. And oftentimes, these YouTube videos, they'll say, hey, by the way, this video is sponsored by Squarespace or Audible or any of the other four companies that sponsor every other YouTube video. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're pretty upfront about it. I think right. one of the points that uh, Dariani made was that the uh, the CEO of Online Performance Group said that uh, while YouTube, their system for promoting that is sponsored works, but with Twitch is a little different because with Twitch, you can say at the start of your stream, hey, by the way, this stream is sponsored by Activision, but your stream isn't going to go on for like 10 minutes. It's going to go on for several hours. That's a good and point. And people don't yeah. always come in at the exact time the thing starts. They they you know filter in and out. So someone who comes in four hours into it might not know that this is sponsored by Activision. And while that might not color how they feel about this stream, um, it's still ethically something you want everyone to know. So it could be something that Twitch needs to look into, maybe like a little like notice at the bottom saying this stream is sponsored by such and such. Like what a lot of YouTube videos do. You know, they'll have like a little mm-hmm. notice at the bottom or on the screen saying this is sponsored by such and such. Uh, was not surprised that uh, some streamers are paid to open loot boxes Um, I'm pretty sure most streamers are pretty actually upfront about that they said hey um, they gave me some loot boxes to open for you guys I'm going to do that for you and they open for everyone and everyone enjoys it and has a good time Uh, Mm -hmm. I was a little surprised that there were although he said it's rare I should point out that Dariana said it's rare that this happens that right. companies will alter the odds of the loot boxes they give to streamers so they're uh, more rare items and people get the impression that rare items are more plentiful than they actually are. I was surprised by that, not because I didn't expect that to be the, something that a company would do. I was surprised because that sounds like something one of my paranoid delusions would say. Like, I bet they're fixing the odds. I bet they're giving them <laughs> fake loot boxes that have surprise extra yeah, yeah. rares in them you know so it felt weird to have some of my theory, yeah. par- paranoid delusions confirm like wait what that's okay so it's that's a real kind of thing yeah at the very mm-hmm. least he says it's rare again this is one guy speaking for one group that sponsors some um streamers and youtubers i don't know how many groups there are that maintain these people and so how many how often this happens um mm-hmm. But it was interesting. Yeah. But I think overall this is good news. You know? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it, I, I think you, you pointed out well, Sean. I think that there are some still improvements that need to be made, especially on Twitch, in terms of um, letting people know that this is a sponsored t- stream or what have you. I believe that that is something that, that needs to be, be done. But... It's also uh, public perception, which is hard to change. It doesn't change overnight. And I think that, you know, like Gen Z people who are who just learned about the Internet, as they grow up, they're going to really understand streamers and YouTubers that it really comes at a price. You know, like there's a price for everyone and everything. And, you know, for these people, the price is, you know, the amount that, advertisers give them the amount that uh other companies give them to promote their products so you know it it, it, 
right now it's about breaking the um, the mold and kind of because people are very skeptical on advertising uh, commercials and traditional advertising, right? So what these advertisers are trying to do is they're trying to promote via other channels. But eventually, people will catch on and they'll they'll start kind of looking at you know streamers and YouTubers in a different light too. It, it's only a matter of time. So it, it, you know it's it just the public perception. It'll change. It'll get there. So it's just a matter of time. All right. So moving on to our second to last news story. This one a little bit more lighthearted than well everything else we've we've gone through today. This one's about Pokemon. Yeah, Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon. Yeah. They actually just dropped. I think they announced it on Monday, and then they announced they they just came out it on Wednesday. They were just like, hey guys. Uh, there's going to be some new stuff on Wednesday, so stay tuned. And this is about Pokemon Sword and Shield, of course. Um, and they announced that forms are coming back to the franchise. So they introduced forms in Sun and Moon that had Alolan forms. And uh, in, in uh, Sword and Shield, it's going to have Galarian forms, because that's the region, Galar. Uh, and the Galarian forms will be of Zigzagoon, Laloon, and of Weezing. And I think Weezing is... Especially the talk of the town because it has like this uh, mustache and it has like a long pipe on top of its head, so it looks, it looks like some kind of robber baron or something like that, and it's really kind of comical. And the Zigzagoon and Loon are pretty funny too because they look like they're really into kiss music. And in yeah. fact, the the evolved form of Laloon, because there's now an evolved form of Laloon, the third evolution, he looks like. Um, I don't know, like Gene Simmons, and his name mm-hmm. is Obstagon or something like that. Obstagoon, Obstagoon, yeah. and uh, he—he looks like he's like in a straight jacket or something. Like he has his arms crossed over his chest. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. Um, and of course, they also revealed new teams, a uh, new team, I should say, Team Yell. And I—I I thought that this was Team Yell. Team Yell. Yell. Yeah. It sounds silly. <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but yeah. you know. I, I actually kind of like the concept because it really is – someone pointed it out on Twitter. It's a team that's really a toxic fan base. You know, It's kind of like digging into internet culture a little bit because the, the whole team, like they're really big into a particular uh, trainer there called uh, Marnie. And Marnie is like into – I don't know. She's like this like goth chick or something and – so they're they're really like big fans of her, and uh, she'll and she'll also act as the protagonist's rival as players' rival. So um, that's that's one element, um, and it's really about how they're kind of always in your face. Like, hey, how dare you challenge Marnie, our beloved Marnie? Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna fight you. We're gonna beat you before you even get to her, type of thing. And it's kind of like, well, you know, when you look at people who like stand things, like K-pop fans or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, it's like it, it, it is, it is kind of like that. I mean, yeah. like, how dare you talk about my whatever person from BTS? I'm gonna, you know, defeat you in a Pokemon <laughs> battle. Um, and that was pretty much it. They also revealed that uh, you, you could put your Pokemon to work <laughs> in the Japanese version. Uh, I'm not too familiar with that, but I, I believe it's like just to train them to to, to kind of improve their stats. So. That's mm-hmm. an interesting aspect to it. I'm not sure how it'll catch on, but that's that's okay. That's cool. So, what do you guys think? Are you guys big into Pokemon Sword and Shield? Are you, are you looking forward to it, Sean? Uh, I, I'm big into Pokemon. 
my the luster of it has sort of diminished over the years. I think yeah. I said it in a previous podcast that where uh, Pokemon has appealed to started off appealing to ten year olds and has continued to try to appeal to ten year olds. Digimon started off appealing to ten year olds and has grown up I remember, with yeah. the audience. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but ever since E three, there hasn't been a single piece of Pokemon news that has really made me happy. But this I did like, and I was so relieved that I was because I, I went into this trailer going, okay, what is mm-hmm. it going to be now? And I clicked on, right. and at the end of it, I was like, I didn't hate it. I'm happy. Yeah. It doesn't completely forgive everything that's happened since E3, but it it is an uptick on that that falling bar graph. It's it's going back up, so it might just. I think it has until November to really win me back over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was happy with what I saw. Um, very happy the forms the uh, regional forms came back. Like you said, that came in uh, Sun and Moon, and that was a really mm-hmm. cool thing. And they I think they only did. Galarian, uh, uh, Alolan forms for Gen One Pokemon. Uh, yeah, it, I think two. it was only Gen One. Yeah, uh, but yeah. this one is doing Gen. I think this is three. Three. Uh, yeah. Second. Um, I don't know what Zigzagoon is supposed to represent with this form because before they, the forms hmm. were supposed to represent this is what the Pokemon looks like in this environment. So Alolan forms are all very more uh, tropical themed. Uh, some of them were like ice themed because like they lived up in the mountain. Uh, Executor turned into a palm tree and dragon type right. for some reason. Um, but I'm not sure what Zigzagoon is supposed to be other than what, like you said, it's basically a Kiss fan. Uh, yeah, I, is... I think it's like punk rock because punk rock was big in the UK. Maybe and yeah. started in the that UK. Could be, yeah. Uh, I, I, I did really think it was cool that with this Galarian form, it gets a new evolution. Because uh, yeah. for those who don't know, it used to be Zigzagoon and Lanoon, and that was it. But now it has mm-hmm. Obstagoon, which I think is a portmanteau of Obstacle and Goon. Um, yeah. Looks pretty interesting. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. it, I, I think, think it's... It's actually the obstacle Pokemon or something like that. Okay, like it's a it's a weird yeah. It's a, the blocking Pokemon. It's called officially the blocking Pokemon. Yeah. Not really sure what that means, but okay. <laughs> uh, maybe it's a um, you know a European football or um, God, what's oh. what's the name of the um, sport they play? Rugby. Maybe it's a rugby thing. Ah, uh, I don't know maybe. That, uh, rugby. Yeah. Um, huh. British wheezing. Adorable. He's great. Um, Fantastic. Big stovepipe hat that looks like smokestacks. And mm-hmm. I don't know why he's supposed to be poison and fairy type. I don't know what about this whole thing is fairy. Fairy type historically. Well, he's very, is, oh, good. He's very posh, I guess. <laughs> Maybe that's it. He's very posh. He's very fancy. Because um, historically, fairy type is generally being referred to for Pokemon who are cute and lovely and all that stuff and generally pink colored uh but yeah. british wheezing is anything but uh the new team team yell again not quite team rocket but few teams have ever reached that status but like you said it's an interesting idea i think they're less uh supposed to be a toxic stand group and more just uh british punks 
at least aesthetically uh, that's what I yeah. give them. They're sort of the British punks, but also sort of a soccer hooligan type thing. Because like they got those um, gotcha. looks like a Vuvuzela but with like two horns on it. They got that going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're clearly like big fans of this Marnie girl. Um, uh, one of my favorite parts is that the rival I can't remember his or her name, but it's uh, B- Betty, uh, the blonde Betty. kid. Yeah, looks like a total asshole, which yeah I totally appreciate <laughs> because. Not since Gary Oak has our rival been an asshole. At most, yeah. the rival might be like at least like somewhat dismissive and distant, and like like I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to deal with you. No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. But most of them are like, hey, we're friendly rivals. We'll both go for the team, the uh, the elite four. We'll both try to be champions. It'll be fun. And if you win, great. If I win, that's also good. But it's all fun. It's like I don't care. Just uh, just leave me alone. But yeah. a rival who's like, I'm here to ruin your career, sign yeah. me up. You know, I want more instances of <laughs> Ash was here, um, or Gary was here, Ash is a loser. That's what I want more of. Yeah. So if this yeah, is yeah. what I'm getting more of, mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, as to speak to mm-hmm. your... Um, uh, also, the, yeah, they show off new Pokemon, uh, Morpico, which is like a hamster-like one. I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. um... Kind of forgettable. It looks like the uh, yeah. the generations token Pikachu type. Every generation yeah. has one. Uh, but when you said like the training thing, they've done that in the past, but always like in different forms. Either it's like you leave them mm-hmm. somewhere, or you actually have to interact with them to train up their stats. Right. Um, so how they do it here, I'm not sure. But hopefully, it's more interactive and more fun. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I don't see it like catching on really. I mean, it's never really caught on in the past in Sun and Moon or um, the one before that. What is it? What was it before Sun and Moon? Oh, um, X and Y. Uh, the Cal, yeah, the Calus region, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just a thing mm-hmm. that they do. Uh, Tim, what do you think? I know you're big into Pokemon, so what do you think of this recent news? I don't know how I feel about Obstagoon. <laughs> I saw, I actually saw this trailer like a few days ago, and I, I think my mouth just literally just dropped open. I was like, "What the? <laughs> what? I, I, what is that?" Yeah. It's like, oh, Z- Z- you know, Zigzagoon's always been cute, still pretty cute. Now it's like got a new look, and Lanoon's like kind of cute too. But then it's just like, <laughs> it's like, oh god. It does look out of place a little bit in that family yeah. tree kind of. That's, it's that's like on. It's on. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say it's a complaint I've heard from people where it's this growing trend of going from quadruped Pokemon to bipedal during an evolution, yeah. going from like yeah. animal to humanoid, and it's something <laughs> that a lot of people don't like because like Pokemon should be animals, not humanoids. You want humanoid mm-hmm. monsters, you go to Digimon. If you want animals, it should be Pokemon, but. It seems every time they add a bipedal one, they're like, no, I don't like it. So, But I, I can definitely weird. see yeah. uh, what Tim said, where Obstagoon doesn't really look, other than his color, color scheme, he doesn't really look like he fits in with this uh, family tree. Yeah, yeah. Hey, anything else that stuck out to you, Tim, in this uh, reveal? Um, You know, I actually I do like the idea of... Um... I mean, like, just from, like, a seeing it for the first time, the whole Team Yell thing is, like, 
it's, it sounds like a interesting name, but I, I actually do like the idea of it taking it in a little bit different direction than normal. They're not just like, I mean, we haven't seen much of it, but they don't seem like maliciously evil. Yeah. And it's interesting that usually there's not, because like they have a tie to your rival, which isn't usually the case. Yeah, so right. that's an interesting kind of kind of thing as well. Yeah, um, they, they, and, they don't look like the world domination type. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No, definitely not. Um, and that that is interesting. Like, you know, they're they're tapping into like the the region and the inspiration behind it being the UK. And I guess yeah, they're maybe meant to be like uh, some kind of sports fan people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that's cool. I like that. So. I, I do like the direction I'm taking with that. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting to see yeah, what too. happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to see who the leader of that team is. Yeah. That'd be interesting. He's like some big buff dude with like five megaphones. <laughs> well, wouldn't the leader be Marnie? Because she's kind of like... I'm not sure that she's even well, into Team Yell. I think she has this look right, of like, yeah. here again. Oh my god. But uh, she's just sort of right, going along with it because like, whatever, this might as well happen. But she could, right. she could yeah. be like the leader the begr- begrudging leader of them be like okay you guys are going to yeah. this maybe the leader is her dad hmm. plot twist you know who I want the leader to or be something. I want the leader to be her publicist and that he's uh, created this yeah. and he's organized this group of people to build up her brand as being this beloved person and to use these people and He's taken it to an evil degree because he has them like trash places and shit like that, and steal Pokemon mm-hmm. in her name or whatever. But in the side, like, it, he's like it, Marnie, don't associate with them. You know, they're just crazy. Don't don't worry, they'll go away eventually. But right, you know, talking to them is like, hey, by the way, ramp it up. It, it would make a lot of sense because yeah. the game is about like attracting promoters, attracting advertisers, and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. Because you have oh, yeah, in order yeah. to go in order to tackle like gym leaders, you have to be endorsed by someone yeah yeah yeah. i forgot you know so like so so you know attracting endorsements is like part of the game so that would that would actually make a ton of sense Mm -hmm. oh that's cool and so we figured out the so we figured out the plot of sword and shield you heard it here first yeah nintendo please don't send any ninjas to us because we really would not appreciate that (laughs) i I don't handle well to intimidation so please please don't send it yeah what i want most of all for them to announce is um a slew of new Pokeballs because we've been um, limited for like the longest time and I've always liked catching certain Pokemon with certain Pokeballs just to sort of match their aesthetic or something like that. Less right. so like, mm-hmm. I'm going to use this Pokeball to catch this Pokemon because it makes it easier. No, it's more like, I'm going to use mm-hmm. this Pokeball because that's the same color type as that Pokemon. I would love to um. see more of that. I, I want to see more Pokeballs. I think like Heart Gold and Soul Silver had a ton of them and then they just like cut in like by like two thirds and that we've just had the same ones over and over yeah yeah i remember back in the day like nest balls and dive balls Mm -hmm. and all that stuff yeah 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 they don't have them anymore Hmm. i've actually committed to using like um like only pokeballs and like not Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people. Wow, you're going minimal. Uh, not like, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. 
I kind of, I just, I, I like the challenge of it. But I upgraded that, actually. And as soon as I can get my hands on luxury balls, I go for those. I do like those. Because they're stylish. Yeah, they're, they yeah. look nice. They're pretty sick. Um, yeah. The hardcore method, of course, is to only use Premier Balls. Which you only get when you buy mm. ten Pokeballs. Ten. So, <laughs> yeah, you're limiting how many you have, and you can only use Premier Balls. To those who That's manage weird. to catch legendaries and Premier Balls, my hat's off to you. That's weird. That's, you... that's a weird element. Why would they do that mm. with the Premier Balls? They're special, uh, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. All right, we have one more news story this week. This one's all about. Indivisible, which was announced a while ago. I don't remember when. Do, do any of you guys remember the, when this game was announced? At least two years ago. I don't remember when. I, yeah. I just remember it sticking out to me because it is thus far the only game I've ever backed on Kickstarter. Because yeah. it was the only game I've ever been interested in that looked like it might be in danger of failing. Like It was coming close mm-hmm. to the end of its funding period and it still hadn't made it. I was like, shit, I guess I better chip in something so I can help get it over right. the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't chip into this, but I was also looking at it um, many years ago. Oh, man, it, it was when I was still in college, so it, it must have been uh, three or four years ago. Anyway, um, so it's coming out, finally, this October. Wow. And it's coming out for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. What do you guys? They, they came out with a, uh, a release trailer. What do you guys think of it? it does it look cool? Uh, certainly for me, I think it looks great. Um, this is from the developer. I forget Lab Zero Games. Lab Zero, yeah. They made uh, Skullgirls, which was a beautiful looking game with tons of great character art. But the problem was, I don't like fighting games, so I was a passive uh, fan of the game. Uh, so then they announced Indivisible, which was supposed to be a action platformer slash RPG, and I was like, I'm on board. What do you got? And while the character designs I don't like as much as Skullgirls, um, mm-hmm. over time they've released more, and you can see I think all of them uh, for the playable characters in the trailer at least they got enough there that I can be like I can make a team out of these four people. Um, right. The combat's really interesting. It's supposed to be. It's combat is said to be similar to another game series. I can't remember what it was called, though. But the way it works is that I believe it's, it's been like over a year since I played the demo. But I believe it was mm-hmm. each of the characters are assigned to a face button. And so you attack with those buttons. And there's a parry system. And there's like linked attacks and stuff like that. And more than anything, it's just a gorgeous looking game, I think. Uh, like Cuphead, it's hand drawn art. And it's very smooth, and so I'm I'm very excited for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I've also had an opportunity to check out the game too, and it's it's gone through many many iterations throughout the years. Um, I believe the game that you were thinking of is Valkyrie Profile, right, right, Sean? Um, uh, I believe it's, so. It's I've, I've never played yeah. Valkyrie Profile, but that's what I'm saying uh, when I Google yeah. combat. So it's similar to Valkyrie Profile's turn-based battles. Right, each member pattern. and yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's it's or rather, uh, maybe more people listening to this have played Child of Light. It is very similar to Child of Light in that sense that um, there is like a rotating kind of uh, combat system there, and each person on your team has a chance to fight 
the opposing side. So I do like the combat system. I do like the character designs. Um, the, the story I, I don't know much about. I, I, I don't really remember too much about. But, it, you know, I, I'm happy that Lab Zero is kind of going in a different direction after Skrull, Skullgirls. They released that. They re-released that game to, to Oblivion, I think. Like that, I, it's still you know very popular for good reason, um, and I love the aesthetic of it. But you know, it's time, I think it is time for them to move on, and I'm happy that they're moving on with with this game. And Tim, what do you think of uh, Indivisible? For me, I I guess I'm not. I don't really think I'm super into this genre yeah um so i i guess for me it's in terms of whether i would get there or not it would be a pass but that being said the i mean all the hand-drawn stuff is nice it's i mean when people know what they're doing with that it's usually pretty good and i like that um i mean i i, I i'm trying to remember i don't know if i've ever actually heard of this until today maybe i did but um Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. There hasn't been a lot of big rumblings about it since then, uh, unless you're like you're following it intently. Uh, so yeah, it's just know if even mm-hmm. if you had heard about it in, like 2015, you might have just forgotten about it because yeah, wow, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I probably forgot. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It seems like something people are excited for. So yeah, yeah, it seems like it's, it's fulfilling good. a niche, like an indie RPG type of thing, and you know, more. Our indie RPGs are never a bad thing in my mind. So mm-hmm. good, good for the team at Lab Zero. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just want to say I also appreciate that it seems to, and I might be wrong on this because I'm I'm not very geographically adept, but it seems like it's using a uh, taking inspiration from Indian uh, culture and folklore, yeah, yeah. Uh, myths and legend, which is pretty cool because. For the most part, video games seem to take inspiration from either uh, English folklore or Japanese folklore, sometimes Chinese, but rarely anything else. Uh, but mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of cool cultures out there that have like really big, huge myths and legends. India, I would love to see an Aztec-based game. I think that'd, that'd be, be cool. really cool. Yeah. Um, Eskimo might be cool, or Inuit, I believe hmm. they prefer. Uh, There's there is an Inuit game. Oh, there is called Never Alone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was pretty cool. I'll look mm-hmm. into that. Uh, but yeah, the again the character designs are great. I, there's a girl there who has no arms, so she's just a kick based character. Yeah. Uh, there's a girl with like a ti- a dead tiger on her head, and she's like carrying a lantern. Like yeah. almost none yeah. of these characters are characters I've seen elsewhere. There are a few mm-hmm. that fit like certain archetypes. Like there's a sort of a. a a gentleman dandy who has a uh, a pistol, and there's a a pirate captain queen type character. So there are some that mm-hmm. are, that fit certain archetypes, but by and large, it looks like there's a very diverse cast of characters that you might not have seen before. And I think mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Yeah, me too. I I think that they're going in a very unique direction here, and I'm interested to see what the final product looks like. Uh, I hope that the gameplay holds up. I know that they were really reworking the gameplay a lot mm. in these four years since it's been announced. So I hope that everything kind of it all comes together in the end, and it's a good project for for Lab Zero that they're able to make a sequel or, or maybe make another RPG after it. So 
mm-hmm. yeah, we'll got to wait and see, but hope for the best. Okay, so let's move on to the topic of the show. This topic of the show, not like our previous episodes, not like some of our previous episodes, I should say. This one's actually very serious, and this one's about recent events that have happened across the United States, um, mass shootings to be more specific. Last weekend, unfortunately, there were two incidents, three incidents, I should say, one in Dayton, Ohio, another in El Paso, Texas, and a third in Gilroy, uh, California, uh, and a total of almost 40 people passed away, unfortunately, um, uh, because of this, because of gun violence, uh, these young men fired into a crowd of people. I believe one of them was in a Walmart, and uh, many died, and many more were injured. So uh, that kind of sparked debate amongst our government, the United States government, that is. Uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said that video games dehumanize human beings, and they are the problem for uh, gun violence in America nowadays. President Trump agreed with him, uh, and he went so far as to say that he's going to meet with major executives in the video game industry. I don't think that's transpired yet. This has been uh, something that uh, other uh, leaders, uh, Republican leaders, I should, be, I should say more specifically, have chimed about um, for a while now, but it's starting to get more heated uh, amongst that circle, uh, pointing their fingers on video games, uh, saying that they are violent. People on the opposite side of the spectrum have said that video games do not cause violence. Nancy Pelosi, for once, for one, said that uh, video games are not to blame and it's just the Republicans and President Trump pointing their fingers at other things outside of themselves. Um, Other people within the gaming industry, IGN for instance, pointed out that uh, video game revenue for such Asian countries like Japan and South Korea uh, is higher than it is here in the United States of America, and yet uh, they have zero incidents of mass shootings a year. We, as of 2019, have almost 250, mm. which I can't even believe that number is real. So, uh, And if you just look at English-speaking countries alone, that tally is, you know, countries like Canada, for instance, have had mass shootings um, this year, uh, I believe there have been four or five, and uh, New Zealand in particular was one that happened earlier this year, and that claimed many lives, but immediately after that had happened, New Zealand passed legislation banning the sale of assault weapons and restricting them to certain individuals. This has happened way too frequently in the United States, in my opinion. I know I'm putting my opinion a lot into uh, what I'm saying here, but it's very hard to kind of separate it. Uh, And uh, it's just something that's very unfortunate. I will let you guys talk now. What do you guys think of this incident? What do you think of this debate? Tim, I want to hear from you. What do you think about everything going on now? So this is something we, you know, that we've, I mean, not us, but, you know, the world our industry and stuff we've had to we've seen this before and we've countless people have talked about this at, at great length and um you know it's it's been found that it just video games don't reliably 
cause violence in people and, you know, have a link to this stuff. And, you know, like I can, you can understand, like just, you know, playing devil's advocate from a surface glance, it can be understandable why someone could come to a preliminary conclusion that, oh, you know, this, this person's playing this game where they're, you know, killing people. And that's like, why are they doing that? Why do they enjoy that? Maybe that's like not a good thing, but you know, given that we've gone ahead and done research, a lot of research and tests and whatnot, and it's come back time and time again that it just there is no strong correlation right. between video games and the um, the rise in gun violence that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who was talking about this, but from different bits of footage I've seen, someone was talking about how that in all his years there's one specific thing that he's seen changed along with the uptick in gun violence and that's the rise of violent video games and just like well it's not really fair because I mean since games have been around which has been like what 20 30 yeah, so years, years yeah. I mean that's, that's a lot of time mm-hmm. and we've seen like, so many things have changed in that time. I mean, like, trends, culture, people, media, places, norms, technology, knowledge, social media, our connections with each other in the world. And yeah. it's very, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's impossible to put the situation in a bubble where it's like all these different variables have been the same except video games. That's the one thing that's changed. I would, I would definitely disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Correlation does not cause causation, and yeah. um, yes, it, it it really is not. It's comparing apples to oranges. I mean, I'm sure in the past forty years, other things have happened that have gone up. Like, <laughs> I don't know, the rise in commercial flights or whatever. You know, like it, it's yeah. just, it just it's nonsensical. Um, uh, Sean, what do you make of the situation? Oh, yeah, like you're saying, uh, correlation is not causation. And the problem is that correlation is super easy to see. You just got to pick two different graphs and be like, oh, look at that. They're both going up. But causation, you actually have to do tests and studies and see if those two affect each other. So, yeah, that's the main problem. Uh, As for this, um, you know, every time something like this happens, you hope that it will invoke some sort of positive change. That someone in government be like, okay, enough's enough. We're going to make a change for the better. Things are going to get better. And when it comes to mass shootings, it just it doesn't happen because time and time again, those who are pro-guns will find a reason to deflect the, the accusations of something else. And for the longest time, they'd be like, oh, no, it's not this. It's this. It's this. And as each time it becomes clear, it seems like almost every single mass shooting is like refuting their claims every single time, just counting another one of their arguments and now they've said okay what do we got left uh oh video games let's let's dig up that old chestnut bring that in right 
because the argument of violent video games do they cause gun violence has been argued for as long as the first game the first gun showed up in a game I mean to give an idea of how long this argument how old this argument is the first time I was in elementary school and we had a um, a lesson on holding debates and we got to choose our own topics and I chose do violent video games cause violent behaviors it, it wasn't about gun violence it was just violent behaviors in general and I had to argue that it did not because I believed it did not um, mm-hmm. the class by the way was entirely on my side right from the get go because they also liked video games so I felt really bad for the girl who had to be forced to argue against me uh, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there so that's how right. old this argument is. Now, it hasn't been a constant argument because sometime around, I want to say, GTA San Andreas, it started to fizzle out because of that one lawyer, I can't even remember his name, who was a big proponent saying we need to sue violent video game companies. They're causing violence in video games. And he was a big joke, and he eventually got disbarred because he was so insane. And he faded out into obscurity, and along with him went the argument. But now they have brought that argument back because they thought, well, maybe this, maybe this will divert attention, and we won't have to answer the questions we don't want to answer anymore. Exactly. Right. Um, but yeah, there have been many, many, many studies, uh, usually focused on children, uh, but also folks in people of all ages. Do violent video games uh, inspire violent behaviors? And mm-hmm. time and time again, those studies have found, no, there is no causation to be found here. Uh, at most, a violent game might make a small child more aggressive after he plays it, but it is not right. a continuing trend. Uh, it's like an hour after he plays it, he might be aggressive, but after that, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh and little kids shouldn't be playing violent video games anyway. So that's why we have the ESRB. Right. So that's on the consumer on that one. Right. Uh, yeah. But any sort of studies showing that violent video games inspire violent behaviors or gun violence, nothing has been found. And mm-hmm. video games have not been the first ones to be blamed for this. Um, movies have been blamed for this. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons were blamed for stuff mm-hmm. like this, you know, back when I think it was either seventies or eighties, very early in Dungeons and Dragons life cycle, uh, it was determined that a kid who had killed himself did so because of Dungeons and Dragons, and Dungeons and Dragons were linked to Satanism. And right. I can't remember the story yeah. that came out, but it was actually what happened was the kid killed himself. Very sad. He was a college kid. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. parents, wanting to know why, hired a private investigator to look into it because the police hadn't found anything. What the private investigator had found was that the kid killed himself because he was gay, and being gay in that time period was incredibly difficult. He couldn't live with it, mm-hmm. especially because his parents were fundamentalist Christians, would have disowned him, and he couldn't come to terms with that, and eventually he killed himself. So the private investigator wow. decided that rather than tell his parents what the real reason was and possibly um, cause them more heartache and uh, ruin his name for them he instead decided to say well I found a D&D book in his room maybe that has something to do mm-hmm. with it 
and decided to divert attention to Dungeons and Dragons that way. So he had the best of intentions. It kind of spiraled out of control from there. Uh, but right, you know, I don't think anyone blames Dungeons and Dragons for <laughs> satanic worship anymore. Uh, yeah, but even comic books were blamed for the downfall mm-hmm. of civilization. There's a whole book. I on mean, it. every so, I, you could you could look across media, uh, mm-hmm. music, heavy metal music, yep. you know, movies. Yeah. Uh, it, I can't think of a movie off the top of my head, but movies were to blame. You know, um, books, of course, uh, even the internet itself. I mean, I remember remember the Slenderman um, thing that happened yeah. where the the little little two girls yeah they they murdered their friend or something mm-hmm. to the sacrifice the friend to the slender man or something yeah so you know it, it's it's let's let's move on with the story because it doesn't stop there yeah. uh the story continues because uh the the one shooting in El Paso Texas uh was taking took place in a Walmart Walmart apparently supposedly responded uh, saying that uh, they sent a pamphlet to their employees saying that they weren't going to promote violent video games anymore. Um, uh, their official uh, quote was, We've taken this action out of respect for the incidents of the past week, and it does not reflect a long-term change in our video game assortment. So while they'll be taking down promotions for games like Red Dead Redemption 2 or what have you, um, and and they'll be taking out promotions for hunting videos, um, taking out promotions for, uh, I, I believe there was something else that they were gonna um, take out promotions for. But what have you? They're gonna remove like violent videos from their uh, star promotional material. What do you guys think of that? Because uh, I I do th- I, I'm 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 a bit like on on both sides of the spectrum here. Um, they, you know, they they did come out and say we've taken this action out of respect for the incidents of the past week, you know, and it doesn't reflect something that has happened long term, and it, it it is company wide, but you know, um, I don't think they're going to plan on doing it for more than you know a couple of weeks, if not a couple of days. So, mm-hmm. Sean, what do you think of of Walmart's stance here? Uh, well, certainly this story, I've I've gone through a range of emotions with it. Uh, Mm-hmm. Because initially when it came out, I saw the story. I said, "Oh, great!" You know, generally when people blame video games for violence, nothing really comes of it. It's a it's a scare tactic. It's a scarecrow. It gets people distracted, mm-hmm. and then while people are distracted with that, the gov- the politician kind of slinks away uh, to the sound mm-hmm. of a xylophone being hit, you know, kind of thing. Right. Uh, but I saw this. I'm like, "Oh, crap." something's actually come from this argument. Someone's actually done something against video games. But as I read more about the story and things sort of developed, things sort of, uh, my opinion on things sort of changed because originally I I just read it as Walmart's removing violent video game advertisement from stores. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought, well, crap. That sucks. Uh, For those who have never been inside Walmart, Walmart, by the way, sells guns and ammo. So right. for them to be like, oh, wow, we got to get rid of these violent imageries or someone's going to start shooting places up is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I read further, and it turns out they're trying to remove violent imagery for both video games, movies, and hunting videos. Basically, anything that shows someone 
using a gun. They'll they'll still right. sell the gun, but they won't show someone using the gun as if that lack of association will make people like, well, what are guns for? Um, and then I read that they were doing it out of respect for what happened in one of their uh, sister stores, another Walmart. And I thought, mm-hmm. I can sort of understand that then. If you're a Walmart, this happened at one of your stores, you you want to sever the association between you and mass shootings as much and as quickly as possible. And probably right. the quickest way to do that is to remove any references to shooting in your store. Again, they won't stop selling guns, but that's lost revenue, so they're not going to do that. But removing advertisements, that's lost revenue for someone else. I think they're they're okay with that for now. Um, right. But like you said, this is probably not... And like the, the representative, this is not a long-term solution. This is not permanent. I really doubt it. They haven't said they're going to stop selling violent video games, so those are still going. They haven't said they're going to stop selling violent movies, so those are still going. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is a short-term Band-Aid solution. This is still, you know, you can't help but feel this is in some way related to the argument, do gun, do violent video games cause gun violence rather than mm-hmm. response to the shootings themselves. Right, uh, right. But at the same time, the more you hear about it, it's like, I I get why, why they're doing this and I can't begrudge them for doing this. There's plenty right. to be mad at Walmart about for doing. There, there, there's... There's no shortage of choice on reasons to be pissed off at Walmart. So I having <laughs> this, I don't need this as well because what they're doing here is actually, if they're being genuine about their reasons for doing this, if they're being truthful, and I have no reason to believe they are, but if they are being truthful, this is a positive step. It's not an effective step, but it is a positive one in some sense. So... Mm-hmm. I'm not as mad right. at the story as I used to be. Uh, right. And Tim, what do you make of it, the Walmart story? I'd say probably in the same boat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not... It you know, wasn't just targeted towards games for one thing, and it isn't going to be on a permanent basis. And it also, as Sean mentioned, doesn't completely... Um, they will still sell you know the games and movies and, and stuff so it's not an outright beginning to like ban them and dismantle them and that so mm-hmm. yeah I, I you know I, I agree with you guys in the sense that um, Walmart has to look has to be careful for its image you know it can't be a place known for uh, a haven for for you know mass shooters or what have you, so removing some of their imagery, I guess is it, it isn't a good step uh, in in that direction of kind of um, uh, rebuilding their their image. Would I prefer that they remove guns entirely? Of course I would. I mean I, I you know I think everyone here would um, I, I here as in the three of us in this podcast would would rather they they just remove guns entirely, but that is not something that they're going to do, at least not in the foreseeable future. Because you know, outside of the Northeast, uh, guns are a very big part of American culture, and you know Walmart would like to cater to that. Uh, it, you know, 
I, I, I do agree that a lot of news outlets, uh, video game news outlets, not I'm not condemning them. Um, they did kind of uh, frame it in the sense that like video, like Walmart. This was like the beginning of end of the end for Walmart uh, video games in Walmart. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't, you know, I, I think any company out there is wise enough to make sure that you know video games are not going to be completely banned in your future because they're a trillion dollar revenue every year so mm-hmm. um they don't want to miss out on that they they surely do not um in terms of this this whole ordeal in general um you know it, it's just i just want to say you know i'm i feel terrible for whomever you know the family is involved in this i, I can't imagine what they're going through and you know even even the shooter's family like it's just uh, it's just it's heartbreaking you know and and it's just heartbreaking that we've come to a point where we're almost desensitized to this um these to these yeah. instances and you never want to um, reach that point where you're like well it's another right. mass shooting what else is now you, you never yeah. want to reach that point with something like this and and unfortunately it seems like it's it's getting to that point because th- there's been 250 you know, mm-hmm. this year alone, and um, that's just unacceptable. And you know, I, I, it, it's it's deplorable, really. Um, and in terms of video games uh, being involved in in the whole picture, do I think that you know people who like to commit violent crimes? Do I think that they project themselves into the video game? Yeah, I think so. I mean, but it's just the same way that they project themselves into a movie. They project themselves into a book, you know, yeah. um, that that has any type of violence in it, you know. Like, uh, if if I were in that dark place and you know I wanted, I, I'm. This is very sick to, to to say, but like if 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 I wanted to to plan this out in my head or gain inspiration from it, you know, or or, or really like um, get like a hands-on approach to it, like maybe I would play a video game or maybe I would read a book that it's about killing people or whatever what have you but that is already given the fact that i'm already mentally ill you know what i'm saying yeah. it's not that video games made me mentally ill is that i am already coming from a mentally ill place and i am seeking inspiration from these other media mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying it, it doesn't work the other way around i i've been playing video games all my life and i i've, I've never had that thought in my mind I, I i'm pretty sure you guys too you know like you've never wanted to hurt anybody because of a video game you know it, it just it doesn't make any sense it's, mm-hmm. it's just entertainment and and people who think that way or or rather who are influenced that way or they clearly have mentally they're mentally ill um so this isn't really a testament to video games so much as it is a testament to mental illness and how in america in the united states we really treat mental illness as something that is is not very important especially for our generation for the generation before us uh after us um and it it, we really need to step that up um i I think you know there are telltale signs of people who are mentally ill who want to commit violent crimes and who who have these tendencies and who project themselves into this um into into video games or, or books or what have you and it's the job of a parent to to notify people and to to you know get their son daughter or or what have you um and and tell them to the doctor and say listen i've been seeing this in my child can you please help us resolve this because i i'm afraid for his or her future and um you know uh 
people pointing blames to pointing the blame to a piece of fiction to a piece of entertainment it, it it's all like we we as human beings like to scapegoat anything but ourselves i find yeah and and um you know it it really i i might in, in all honesty i really believe that it is in the fault of um one thing our, our leaders in our government uh but also very uh you know our very families our, our culture in the sense that uh, our parents are not taking the time that they need to take care of their children and to identify mental illness and and really cater to that so and, and it's and it's very unfortunate you know um and, and i hope it is resolved i you know i i i see mental illness as something that's extremely important you know in in our in our world today and um to kind of uh identify it and and make sure that everyone is on um a good place in their mind i I think that's very important and it will be a solution to violent crimes here in america but that's my opinion uh so uh, to put a nail in the coffin what do you guys think do video games cause uh do do video games cause mass shootings do video games uh actually cause gun violence tim what do you think just a simple no for me um just that you know we've it's a it's a really horrible situation um i can't it's hard to put myself in the shoes of people who've had to go through this um but you know we've we've been here a good number of times and we've seen the data and results of different studies and whatnot Mm -hmm. um and there just there just doesn't seem to be a correlation right between or you know there's there's no definite link between these two things right so and and sean what's your opinion um yeah, there. Uh, I I don't think they cause violence. I think at most, a violent video game, and, and it doesn't even have to be a violent game. Violent video game, a competitive game, can cause aggression and frustration, but it won't cause violence. Um, right. I you know I've seen uh, streamers who get very upset and heated, and they'll like break their controller or scream and get mad and stuff like that, but. There's never any story of a streamer losing a game of Fortnite and then going out on a mass shooting spree immediately after. Mm-hmm. That, as far as right. I know, has never happened. And as far as I can assume, will never happen because, like Tim said, and as you said, David, that there are no studies that have ever shown any sort of connection between mass shootings or any violent act and video games. And to say, well... This mass shooter, he played video games, is ridiculous because pretty much everyone in our culture plays video games to some degree. Yeah. Whether it's just a mobile game or you have all three consoles and a PC, someone plays video games. So it's too easy to say, well, this person liked to play video games in their spare time. It's like, well, no, duh. So does anyone else. Next, you're going to say, well, this person sleeps on a mattress. Does that cause shootings? You know, it's right. It's ridiculous. And the problem is that it's a lot easier to talk about 
well, video games are causing this, so what's, what do we do about video games? That's a, that's a much easier conversation to have than mental illness is an issue. We're not taking mm-hmm. it seriously in this country. There's not enough funding. Fixing this is a multi-generational thing. It's going to take yeah. decades, and we have to start now. It's going to take a lot of money and a huge shift in our dynamics and how we look at things. Mm-hmm. And that's way harder to even acknowledge than, well, what if we just ban video games? Not all of them, but just violent ones. Right. Um, right. My only, I am somewhat hopeful in that my generation and Generation Z and the next one do seem to be uh, more focused on, as they call it, self-care than past generations. Right. You know, that, that, uh, that push saying, take time out of your day to just sort of take care of yourself mentally physically just look after yourself every so often because sometimes there's not someone else there to do it for you seek out help for mental issues if you have them uh and just take care of yourself mentally and physically and if that can become a more widespread movement we might make a a big dent in the mental health issues it won't resolve it it's still we have to consider the genetic aspect of things but it might make a considerable difference, but I think we all here can agree that the first and foremost uh, action that needs to be taken is heavy regulation on, at the very least, assault rifles. Because these mass shootings, I believe, were all done with assault rifles. Yes. And the reason they were able to get to hit so many people, to kill and injure so many people, is because it was an assault rifle. Mm-hmm. Um Right. But if they didn't have access to that, the damage would have been considerably less, I would hope. Uh, right. So that has to be the first step. We can't continue scapegoating because video games, movies, any sort of media do not cause gun violence. Right. Yep. Very well said. And, of course, it's going to be a no for me. Uh, I've already stated my opinion. And I, I hope... You know, as Sean said, that there is some new legislation that um, bans these weapons of war. They're not meant for clearly not meant for civilians, um, and that we do have a better conversation in this country about mental illness because it is something that I think our culture um, feeds into uh, our culture of constantly being competitive and being um, better than everyone else. I, I think that you know there needs to be a, a better push of taking time off taking time out of our days to just focus on ourselves relax uh, open up a cold one with our buddies and maybe start our podcast and have fun that way right mm-hmm. so uh, I think the moral of the story here is anyone listening to this you know after you're done listening to this or after you're done you know getting out with work today take some time out of your day just you know enjoy life and talk to your loved ones or uh, watch a good show or whatever uh, and crack open a cold one on, on you know, uh, uh, on your stoop or something, you know, chat with your neighbors, whatever the case may be. Just don't focus on work. Don't focus on anything, you know, that, that'll stress you out. Just focus on yourself for a little bit and, and take some t- time to, to, to relax. I think, I think that's the moral of the story here. So... Guys, thank you for joining me for this wonderful episode of KeenCast. Of course, we'll be back next week with episode 6, discussing another 
big topic rocking the video game industry. I'm your host, Dave Lozada. You can find me on Twitter at Xenocreator125. Sean Ray Bine is here. You can catch him on Twitter at Gingerbread. That's D J I N N G E R underscore bread. Right? At yes. Twitter. Right? I got that right? Woo! Yes. I'm doing good. I'm on a roll. And Tim, writing articles on Keen Gamer. Thank you guys for joining us this week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.